0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross.
1: Amen. Well, good morning. It's great to see you. Welcome to those watching and worshiping online. Uh, I might be working on that tea a little bit overtime this morning. I've been ill for the last uh, uh, three days, but God's helping me. I was able to leave the house today. Didn't have that much of a choice, but here I am. So uh, feeling better than I had the last couple days. So it's great to be here. Uh, Always seems like... Uh, there's added attacks on my physical body as, as we continue to step out and things in the spiritual realm. It uh, happened as well uh, with my wife this week. Monday morning, I woke up, stubbed my toe. I think I broke my pinky toe on Monday morning, and it's uh, discolored and everything to uh, have the effects of that. Praise the Lord. And then uh, in the next two days, my wife burned herself twice. She hadn't burned herself in a number of years, once with a curling iron and once on the oven. And I know some of you would be like, well, she shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> But I'm just saying, when when you see repeated things happening, and and it seems like this happens all the time when we lean in on miracles, and over these next couple weeks, going to be teaching and preaching, believing for miracles, and so uh, to me, it's it's encouraging. When bad things happen, because then it's just like confirmation that we're, we're leaning in in the right spot. And uh, I'm always grateful when the enemy's not happy about what God is doing in our lives. So uh, you can get discouraged with stuff like that if you'd like, but to me, it's just a little bit of encouragement uh, that we're going in the right direction, that He's doing what uh, He wants through us, and it's never making the enemy glad. Amen? Right. All right. Well, we're continuing this Spirit and Power series. As I mentioned, <coughs> excuse me, uh, going to be teaching preaching on miracles for the next couple of weeks uh, from Elisha and uh, we're excited for that. Thanks so much for your prayers this week. on Tuesday, we hosted over 150 pastors from all across and um, Wisconsin even came and because uh, we're related to one, so we invited them as My mic does not like this current connection, huh? I don't know what's going on. Uh, I'm not sure if that's connected to what I was talking about earlier, but it might be, or it could just be a bad battery. You know, not everything's a devil, but I'm pretty sure God's not happy if my sermon is not heard either. So anyway, um, uh, but they were able to be encouraged. We prayed for them and, and uh, all of those kind of things. Wednesday, of course, prayer gathering was uh, powerful, and then Thursday, Um, Although I'd been ill for those two days, I went and trained uh, 23 pastors up in Roseville, as I had done in another city a couple weeks before. I can't remember all these places, just about releasing the gifts of the Spirit in their church and their homes and ministries, because I believe each of us as followers of Jesus are either releasing or restricting the move of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's some things. So God's uh, been moving in our lives here, but you know, he's stirring in other people as well. And uh, so we're just excited to be part of that. Pray for me this Tuesday. be down in Rochester, training some pastors with that. So we're just excited about what God is doing, and we're thankful that He's not just doing it here. Come on, it's happening all over the place. Amen. So we're excited for that. Um, We've broken down all the to come in a couple every week, and, or I mean a couple dozen every week into uh, five major categories. The first is salvation. The Bible says today's the day of salvation, so it's always a good day for people to get saved. But then the other four categories, the primary categories of needs are relational needs, financial needs, physical needs, and emotional needs. So this week, uh, as I preach from 2 Kings 4, I'm going to teach, preach, and then believe for relational and financial miracles. That's just uh, the packs that we have. Then next week we'll be focusing in on emotional and uh, physical needs. And so look forward to that. Second Kings chapter four. If you have your Bible, you could turn there. And if you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning as we read God's word together? Second Kings chapter four. Second Kings chapter four verses one to seven. Do I need to switch? It seems like that's going to be. Amen. I'll be able to cough easier this way anyway. (laughs) Second Kings chapter four. By the way, uh, right after we uh, got out of sermon prep on Monday, Pastor Dan received a phone call from a gal. Was she just in the community, Pastor Dan, or somebody in the church? In the community? In the community. She had called in, asking for some help, and actually the situation that she described was almost identical to the passage that we're about to read. So somebody not in the meeting, not even in the church, and Pastor Dan was able to share with her. I believe she's watching even right now uh, that this word would be for her, but I believe it's for everybody. But it just helped. It was like encouraging for us. Right after we pray, we sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. Somebody not in the room, not even affiliated with our church would call in with that very thing. So it was confirmation for us in that moment that we are sharing what God has for us today. Second Kings chapter 4, verses 1 to 7. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out, to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. How many people know that could be a relational problem right there? (laughs) Amen. And you cried, uh, you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. She lost her husband, had a financial need, Now she might lose her boys. Notice how those are often so intertwined. If you don't have enough money, it seems like fights just happen a little bit more often. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. By the way, in the first service, as I was reading that, a uh, man, uh, Mike, right over here, said, it uh, uh, felt like a word from the Lord. He said, let's not run out of vessels. Because as many as they had, everybody was filled. Amen. And then verse 7 says, she went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. I've titled the message, Spirit and Power in Times of Need. In Times of Need. Now, this is part one. Next week will be part two, and we'll talk about the other miracles. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the great gift of your Son, Jesus. We ask, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying. Speak to us all today, both individually and corporately. May none of us leave the same. May you be glorified in what we say and in what you do, we prayed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I shared on Wednesday night. Um, uh, that early Tuesday morning, as I had awoken to pray for these pastors that I was going to minister to, I was listening to some remarks um, from Josh Wellborn. He's our National Youth Director for the Assemblies of God Youth Ministries. And um, he, he lives in Springfield, Missouri, where our headquarters are. But he was down in Houston, Texas, in early March for a church planting conference. And after the conference, they had just asked a few people shotgun questions. Just, what about this? What about that? And because he leads our youth ministries, they asked him a simple question. They said, what's your thoughts uh, on the Asbury revival? And he shared something, but then he made a passing comment that I heard um, that I just, I celebrated and then I had to rewind and I listened to it again because I wanted to write it down correctly. So he's the national youth director, lives in Springfield, Missouri, but he was in Houston, Texas. And he said, um, after seeing what God did at Asbury, he said, it seems like God can do it anywhere because he said, I didn't even know where this town in Kentucky was. And the next words that he said is what I wrote down, quote, Word for word, he said, maybe the next revival will be in Peoria, Illinois, or Minneapolis. Amen. Amen. Now, that's good news for those of us that live right here around Minneapolis. <laughs> but but I, I'm not saying that Josh was speaking to me, but the Holy Spirit was highlighting something to me, because most of you wouldn't know this, and don't try to hack all my bank account info, because it's one of the questions, but I was born in Peoria, Illinois, So I know I only lived there for like four days. I got clarification. Uh, My mom said it was technically like two and a half weeks, but my dad was there. I was born on a Monday, Sunday, May 2nd. My dad finished up at our church in Peoria, Illinois. Monday, May 3rd, I was born. Saturday, May 8th, he left my mom and I for Ohio. I mean, not forever. He came back, but he left my mom and I For Ohio to preach in our new church, and then came back, and two weeks later, we all moved to Ohio. So I wasn't in Peoria, Illinois very long, but sometimes you hear a word, and you just hold on to it with both hands, and I wrote it down, but I know what God does in my life. He then does in all of our lives, and as we prayed on Wednesday, we're praying that God would give us a front row seat to his revival to be part of what he's doing for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. So, so we're seeing this. We we need these kind of things. Now, some of you uh, may be wondering. Uh, I'm going to teach a little bit, try to lay a biblical foundation, and then we're going to pray and believe for um, financial, relational miracles for God to do what only He can do. But it's important that we have information and impartation. We we need biblical education, but then we also need supernatural encounter. Um, it's not just enough to be taught things. We do need to experience things. But if all we do is experience things and we're never taught things, then we might be a little weird. That's the truth. Now, the Holy Spirit's not weird. If people are weird with the Holy Spirit, they were weird before they had the Holy Spirit. That's just how it works, right? But, but so we need biblical teaching, and, and I was reminded of this Tuesday morning as I woke up early to pray for these pastors. I was reminded of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. I'll get to the note sheet very quickly. There's five points, and so I should get there eventually, but... Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says that after God had created everything, he spoke things into existence. Um, When he created man, it says that he formed him from the dust of the earth. And it was like I just had this revelation in that moment that God's hand gives us our form. Now, we need... his form in our life. We need his hand upon our life. We need his instruction. Um, Before God got involved, the Bible says that everything was formless and void. We don't want to be formless and void. We want his hand upon our life. It's his instruction, his truth that gives us our form. But he went on to say, and after he formed us, or Adam with his hand that he breathed his breath, his spirit into him. And so it was his breath or his spirit that gave Adam function. And for too long, we've seen throughout history a separation of the form and function of God. We need the uniting of both his form and his function. So I'm going to teach, and I'm going to preach a little bit, and then we're going to pray and ask God to do what only he can do. But it's important that we understand, especially this week, it's going to be very practical. Even on a message where we talk about financial miracles, I'm going to use the B word Budget. Some of you weren't sure. Right then, you were like, okay, some of you hadn't been saved that long. You didn't know what the B word that I was going to say. Budget. And yet, we're still going to pray for miraculous provision. So this is what we see. It's important that we have spirit and truth, that we have his hand on our lives and his breath in our lungs. Number one, talking about spirit and power in times of need, Christians are not exempt from crisis. This might sound weird coming from your pastor, but faith won't feed your family. I know some of you are like not sure about that theologically, but I'm going to explain it after I take another drink of tea because my throat's a little sore. All right, faith won't feed your family. Now that's not to say you shouldn't have faith. Some of you say, brother, out in last week mentioned Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. But even with faith, sometimes it could be tough to feed your family. Everybody else got extra money. Praise the Lord. Thanks for being here. Maybe you'll be a miracle for somebody else today, right? But I remember stories. I'm glad that it's just stories of when my parents were kids in each of their homes. My grandparents, uh, itinerant ministers, evangelists, teen challenge directors. And I've heard stories from my grandparents of how they would sit down at a dinner table and pray and give thanks for food that was not there. And the doorbell would ring, or the garage would open, and somebody from the church would be driving by. They say God just told me to drop off these groceries, or or it might have been a meal that was prepared. So, so I've heard stories of God providing in that way, um, and God oftentimes will provide through other people. But what I'm saying is, even though my grandparents had faith, faith didn't feed their family. Or maybe, maybe let me help you in like a more understandable way. You can't eat faith for dinner. You eat food for dinner. Some of you are like, are we really praying after a teaching like this? Yes, we are, because it's important that you understand this, right? That no matter what false gospel has been preached in our nation, giving your life to Jesus does not exempt you from going through struggles, I know it doesn't sell a lot of books. It's not very popular on talk shows. But the truth is, when you give your life to Jesus, all of hell breaks out against you. The enemy's not happy that you've surrendered your life, that your name's been written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so you ought to expect struggle. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. But we can take heart because he's overcome the world. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who gives us strength. Look at this family. It says this family was from the company of the prophets. This was a family of faith. I know right away some of you read this and you're like, oh, well, they just didn't have enough money. That was their problem. They should have prayed more. I think they prayed a lot. Like remember, these people had run with Elijah. Remember the one that like called fire from heaven. You didn't dare be part of this company of prophets and not pray. Yeah. You'd be found out. Huh. What happened to them? They didn't pray. Well, okay, you know, but they they had faith, but they also had financial problems. The creditor didn't care about their beliefs. The creditor just wanted to be repaid. Now, we ought to be careful when we read Scripture to not add things to it, to not infer things that weren't there. We don't know what choices they made that led to this crisis. We don't know. But what we do know, we, could, we don't know what choices they made, but those choices resulted in a debt that they could not repay. That this financial deficit became a crisis, an unsurmountable crisis, when her husband died. Now, this is also important for me to mention, to highlight, to remind. A lack of finances is not equivalent to or is not the same as a lack of faith. Okay? If you don't have any money, it doesn't mean you don't have any faith. And by the way, if you have a lot of faith, it doesn't mean you have a lot of money. They're not equivalent. It's not like this guarantee of whatever it is. Um, and so I just need to mention that. But, but we are feeling the effects here in our nation, perhaps around the world, but, but I have this burden for our nation where we've seen overspending for many generations, right? And then as interest rates rose and inflation continued to climb, most families felt the crunch of declining investments and increasing costs. Another way to say it. There was no magic Christian fairy that prevented your 401k from going down last year. I prayed every day and my stinking phone screen was red most of the time. But I prayed, I believed, but our choices led us to a place where the result should have been expected or at least understood. There was no prayer that you could pray last year that would make your gasoline be cheaper. I, we're going to pray in like a few minutes, a number of minutes, actually, in like a half hour, okay? but <laughs> I don't want you putting me on the clock, okay? But that's just, you know, it rains on the just and the untrust, and we're going to pray in a few minutes for those miracles, but you need to see the correlation between financial needs and relational needs. Because... As this family had a financial problem, it strained every relationship they had. Think about it. The boys were going to be sold into indentured work. I don't know if MasterCard or Amex has ever tried to steal your kids to pay them back, but that would be a bad day. (laughs) By the way, there 's no vacation, no new television worth giving up your family for, okay? So let me just help you with that in advance. Feel free to put that into practice. That was worth it for some people to come here today. But it's often tied, relational strains. Financial problems. Some people, when they have those relational strains, they might go spend money they don't have trying to fix a feeling that, that wasn't, you know, they're, they're related, and so we're going to believe for those. Number two, I don't expect as many amens on this point as there will be on number three, but number two, it comes next. That's how two works before three. Solutions begin with what you have. Hmm. It'd be nice to skip to number three and say, what does other people have? But we're talking about you, because it says, Elisha said, what do you have in your house? Boy, she sounded like Eeyore, didn't she? She was like, nothing, womp, womp. (laughs) Except a little jar of olive oil. Have you noticed how easy it is to miss good solutions when we overlook what's in our hand because we're focusing on what other people have? Right? We, we, we're we in this place where comparison, it's a thief of joy, but it also distorts our perception of reality so much that we might miss our miracle altogether. We, we have this problem where we look at what other people have and we feel like we don't have anything at all. But the truth is, we all have got something. Like in the Bible, God spoke to Moses and he was like, you know, I'm going to use you to set my people free. What's in your hand? It was a staff. But when he trusted God with it, it would part the Red Sea. The whole nation would walk across dry ground. And then the sea would come back together and destroy the invading army from Egypt. I don't think the staff was very special, but it was used by a special God. <laughs> right? We read in the New Testament, we, I list a bunch of examples. I'll just do one more for the sake of time. How about the little boy who Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children? His lunch, five loaves, two fish. <laughs> How many people know? Probably not enough for a hungry teenage boy. <laughs> Always hungry, always needing a food, always needing a snack. I know it wasn't enough to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Experts would say perhaps 20,000 people ate that day. It wasn't really because the lunch was special, but there was something special that happened when the boy trusted his lunch to Jesus. There's something that happens when we just are willing to use, to give, to share what we have. So let me ask you for the sake of time what do you have? Think think beyond money for a second. Sometimes that's like our default thought but but do you have time? Do you have ability? Do you have willingness? Each one of us has something and the question is not really what do we have but what are we willing what do we have that we're willing to let God use for his glory? Solutions begin with what we have. Then, number three, this is the part that more people might get excited about community then helps with what you don't have. So, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. I'm so grateful. We talk about this in a number of arenas that, that you could go through life with other people begins with what you have, but then it it goes to what you don't have. That's where when the weak need to be around those who are strong. And then later, the strong may be weak, and they're around, you know, we we pick each other up. We bear one another's burdens. We're with one another. Community helps with what we don't have. That's what a team does. That's what a partnership does. We're better together, not because we're the same. That's one thing I can't figure out, why people are Only want to be around people that are just like them. I'm like, if you're around people that are different than you, it'll help you because they'll have things you don't have. Be honest with you, I don't need many people just like me. I already got my own ideas and opinions. I don't need a group of people that are just like me. I need people that are that like me, but are not just like me. (laughs) Okay, I don't need a bunch of people that don't like me. You know what I mean? Like Whatever. But, But you need people that are a little different than you because then that's when we're better together. We need other perspective. We need other ideas. We need other strengths so that we can help one another with what we don't have. But aren't you thankful she asked for help before it was too late? She gave the man of God a chance before the sons were gone. Huh. And so he gave her the instruction, go to all your neighbors. I just wonder what would have happened if she'd have, you know, waited till the boys were gone. They were sold into slavery. And, and then she was like, well, now what? He's like, I wish you would ask asked me last week. I could have given you a plan. I could have helped you out. Have you noticed how much the devil tries to keep us from sharing our need with other people so that we can't get the help that we so desperately need. Right? We, 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 we often think about this and we make it spiritual in the church, but even non-Christians, it, the enemy uses guilt and shame to keep us from asking other people for help. Right? Or, or maybe he just works within our pride or, or just us not wanting to be a burden on others. But then in the church, we spiritualize it so much. You might be coming in. Somebody's like, how are you? You're like blessed and highly favored. (laughs) But on the inside, you're like, I'm hurting and I can't pay my bills. If you just give everybody a nice sounding spiritual answer, how many people know? They're going to go, well, thanks for coming. and just let you go. And You're like, nobody cares. You told everybody you're doing awesome. What do you want them to say? Sometimes I do that with people. They're like, how you doing? Sometimes I'll just mess with them because it's almost like unexpected to give an honest answer. I'll be like, I'm doing terrible. They're like, great, pastor. Keep it going. You know, wait, What? <laughs> like you just catch them off guard. I'm like, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm doing all right. <laughs> it's like we ask a courteous question, but sometimes people don't even really care about what it's like. But you got to be honest with somebody. There's no shame in saying, you know, it's not been the best week for my marriage. There's no shame in saying, well, we don't know. We're down to a couple of weeks before. But you got to say something before it's too late. I can't tell you. We had a number of calls and somebody had gotten evicted and then they were homeless and they were like, we don't know what to do. I was like, well, me either because you're already out. I'm just saying, like if you had called us two weeks ago when you're still in there, we could have helped get you caught up on your payment. We could have got your utilities back, but you got to ask for help before it's too late. Maybe one of the most spiritual applications for each of us would be to lower our pride of self sufficiency and recognize that community is a gift from the Lord right? Think beyond finances for a second. Maybe you just had a tough week. Emotionally, you're like, I'm just feeling low. Be honest with somebody. Now, you don't need to be honest with everybody. I'm not saying to be dishonest, but you don't need to put all your business out on social media. My spouse doesn't love me. Save that. Don't tell everybody else. I mean, there's a good chance we can tell, but I'm just saying, don't confirm So you don't need to be honest with everybody, but you need to be honest with somebody. Everybody needs somebody. I had a pastor buddy of mine, because it's private, I won't be saying it, uh, but he texted me, he said, would you just pray for me today? Been a tough week. One of my best friends. God's doing great things in his life and ministry, and on the outside, you might not know, but he said, it's been a tough week. And I called and we just prayed together. But, you know, it takes courage to reach out to somebody else. And I'm praying for a courageous spirit within the people of God that we wouldn't be afraid or ashamed to reach out and ask somebody for help. Elisha said, go and ask all your neighbors for the empty jars. I think it's important for me to point out that they had some work to do to get in position for the miracle. I know that doesn't sell a lot of books and it's not like that awesome of a message, but sometimes you got to work and do what God asks you to do. I'm thankful for the suddenly moments of scripture and we're going to believe for them today, but, but I would be derelict in my duties as your pastor if I skimmed over the reality that many miracles require active obedience on our part if we're going to receive what God has in store for us. Number four, preparation impacts your provision. Preparation impacts your provision. She did all she could do. She went and got all the jars from all the neighbors. And by the way, I'm so glad that she wasn't a mean neighbor before her time of need. How many people know if she'd been the mean lady on the block, she could have got up all the jars in about three minutes because everybody had been like, get your own jars. (laughs) So let me just, you know, I know you can't change how you've been, but just in case you feel like you might ever have a need before Jesus comes back, why don't you go ahead and be a good neighbor starting today? (laughs) Don't yell at the kids because they left their bike in your yard. Just move it over to their property line. You know, just shove, Just be a good neighbor because you don't know when you might need their help. So she went and she got all these jars and, and he said, go and shut the door behind you. She did all she could do. She did her part. Then God did his part. I, I think... God might be ready to do his part, and he's just waiting on us to do our part. The supernatural oil flowed after she did everything she could do. Could it be that our blessing, that our miracle, that our provision is waiting for us on the other side of our obedience? Some people are like, okay, God, bless me right here. And he's like, but I told you if you will just do this... She had to do what she could do, and then the oil began to supernaturally flow. I, I love that he said, shut the door behind you. You know, sometimes you just got to get away from other people. Sometimes you got to shut the door on negativity. Sometimes you got to shut the door on the naysayers. Sometimes you got to unfollow somebody on social media. Sometimes you got to quit watching that personality. Sometimes you got to quit reading that advertisement. Sometimes you've got to shut the door and get alone with God and say, have your way in my life. She shut the door behind her, her and her sons. She limited those distractions And she said, God be God in my life. Elijah told her to go and get the jars and then go outside. Have you noticed that it's easier to shout in faith than to obey in obedience? I think it would have been awesome for her, her boys in that moment, to receive that word from the man of God. God will provide. And she would have felt it in that moment. But then she had to go obey you know, oftentimes we receive a word from the Lord in a moment, in a spiritual setting, a prayer gathering, whatever it is. But then there's obedience that's required of us. And it's it's, it's more fun to shout in faith than it is to walk and live in obedience. In fact, it's, it's part of Um, short-sightedness in a gospel that's been preached in our nation for a while here, that that we could just say the right thing in a church service, that we can pray the right thing in a moment, but we can live however we want. And the truth is, that couldn't be further from the truth. We've got to walk out and live according to the things God has said. Uh, I've said it this way, it does no good to declare and decree the blessings of God and live contrary to the commands of God. You can declare and decree all you want. If you're living in sinful disobedience, God won't bless you. Probably won't sell a lot of books if I wrote that one, so I'll just save my time and won't do that one either. You know, but there's a lot of books I'm not writing, but <laughs> they wouldn't sell even if I did. Praise the Lord. But, but you've got to walk it out in obedience. I'm all for shouting in faith, declaring, decreeing the things of God. And I'm not shy about my passionate worship of the one who's changed me from the inside out. But what's more challenging than being expressive in the house of God is being obedient when I leave this place. Who I am when nobody else is looking. The other day I was up in uh, Egan on my way to the airport. had to get something before Brother Alton came in. I was sitting in a Starbucks, and wouldn't you know, a student from within our church, or I guess maybe she's graduated now, she walked into this Starbucks. She's like, what are you doing in Egan? I can't get away from anybody. (laughs) If I was sitting around here, somebody would see it. So it's good that we have the fear of man, but more important is the fear of God. Because just because other people aren't watching doesn't make it, okay. Sometimes we think because we've been getting away with it for a while, it must be okay. But the truth is God will not be mocked. Hidden things will eventually be revealed. And by the way, I pray it's revealed here on earth because if it waits until judgment day, Elisha told her, don't ask for just a few. Now, you have a choice when you hear that kind of command. You can either feel burdened or uplifted. You can be like, oh, I can't believe I got to go do all this. Or it could build your faith and say, if he's telling me to get a bunch of them, God's going to do something big. (laughs) I believe it was a faith-building statement. Don't ask for just a few. Go and prepare for a massive move of God. The truth is we've been praying and believing for a massive outpouring here at Celebration. We've not been asking for just a few. God, would you do something in one or two people? Would you do something in 10 or 20 people? We've been praying for an outpouring. We've been praying that God would do what only he can do. We've been preparing for something bigger. We've been meeting on Tuesday nights with prayer team and saying, God, do what only He can. you can do. We're we're praying, we're believing, we're preparing systems and structures for a massive outpouring. I believe however many vessels that they had gathered, they would have been filled. And that's what we're believing for that every vessel gathered here at Celebration will be filled. Come on, people have been praying, prophetic words have been given, and we're not asking for just a few. We're gathering all the vessels that we can. We're, we're inviting anybody that we come in contact with. If you need the oil of the Holy Spirit, why don't you come here and see what God will do? So we've not been asking for a few. But we've been praying for as many as we can. The oil filled every vessel. If she had more vessels, I believe there would have been more oil. So if you need a little more oil in your life, you came to the right place today because this is a a house where the oil flows for the glory of God. Let me just ask you a question here today. As the events of life have taken a toll on us all, is your expectation of what God is going to do big enough? Like, is your expectation one or two vessels worth? Or have have the frustrations of the past limited your expectation of the future? Is your expectation of what God is going to do big enough. We've been praying, seeing miracles, sharing testimonies every week. Heard another one this past week that on Sunday after the services, uh, after praying, one gal that could hardly stand up during the service because some sci- sciatic or sciatica or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And then as she was walking down this hall, she just began to laugh because she could tell she couldn't stand up. And all of a sudden, all the pain totally gone. So we've been praying. We've been believing for these kind of things. Got word from uh, Pastor John Lindold, uh down in Springfield, Missouri, uh, shared a number of things and, uh, that God's been doing down there. This past week they were praying. One gal had a, a gunshot injury on her foot had blown three toes off. And they prayed, and then over a course of like 30 minutes and a couple hours, by the next day, those three toes grew back, toenails, nerve function. She could wiggle them around for the glory of God. So God's continuing to do things. And so I just ask, is your expectation of what he's going to do big enough? Or have you just reduced your expectation to just a little bit? Our God is still a miracle working God, and he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly more. That's what we're believing, that God is doing great things. Uh, One day this week, I think it was Thursday or Friday, it was one of the days that I was really, maybe Friday, I was down for the count. Um... Pastor Satisse had, had a vision from the Lord, and she sent it to me so I could have it in writing. Um, uh, by the grace of God, I'm going to be at a prayer event for her tonight out in Minnetonka, and she'll be preaching for us. Hopefully in two months, we're still working on that detail. But she said she had a vision of myself and our church, and I share it with you for your encouragement as well. She said uh, the illumination of the light and power of the Holy Spirit was coming through you. That I was standing on the platform, but it was as if the electricity of the Holy Spirit was coming from me to the people sitting under and far beyond. She said, I saw something opening up, that territory was being enlarged. The word more was in my spirit. She said, the Holy Spirit's power is in you and his favor is on you in Jesus name. Come on, has your expectation of what he's going to do big enough? What are we saying? You got to get ready for more. Got to get ready for more. We expand our faith and we extend our vision. Number five, and then we're going to pray. Number five. Wisdom demands proper stewardship. This is the budget word. (laughs) You might want to write that down. Even if you don't want to write it down, you might should write it down. (laughs) Wisdom demands proper stewardship. I'm grateful that we serve a God of more than enough. El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. God's miracles provide more than enough. And I believe this woman would have been grateful if just all of her debts had been paid. I think she would have been grateful if she just could have got enough to be put on a payment plan to not lose her sons. (laughs) Uh, And we didn't read that they were troublesome teenage boys, you know, so she wasn't excited about it, you know. So she would have been excited about any amount of provision that didn't remove her last existing family. Her husband had already died. Her boys were going to be gone. I believe she would have celebrated provision that simply paid her debts. But the Bible says that she received more than enough to not only pay off her debts, but to have a future life as a family together. Look at that. He said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. What did the prophet tell her? You, because you've received a miracle, you now need to steward it well. Being wasteful does not give God glory. Some people be like, well, if he got glory for coming through once, let's give him an opportunity again next week. No, we need to steward what he gives us well. God not only met her needs, he provided enough so that they could be a blessing to others. Notice the financial stewardship principle here at the end. Pay your debts first, then live on what's left. Notice he didn't say, first thing you should do is go on vacation because it's been hard because your husband died. he said, pay off your debts. And then I would say inferred or implied, the lesson for us is and change your behavior. Again, we don't know exactly what happened that they were in debt and then the husband died. But, but what he said is sell all that, pay off your debts, and then you can go live on the rest. There's an important priority there. That's where that stewardship of what he gives us is important. He said, change your behavior. He didn't want her to squander the miracle by continuing whatever spending habit got him in the problem in the first place. I might add that I understand some of the complaints, or maybe I should say, I understand some of the critique from the world about some churches, their, their emphasis on money or lack of contribution to others. I understand that critique. I'm grateful that here within this place, uh, the number one budget line item for us, as you saw at the business meeting, was missions. I'm grateful for that. But I understand the critique that many would have for the church of Jesus Christ, that, that, that there's not good stewardship involved. Many churches, many uh, people of faith will go from crisis to crisis. And you're thinking, at what point is another prayer meeting not what you need, but a budget that you'll follow? It's not a good testimony of our God for us to continually be in crisis. Amen. I'll move along. That's fine. We'll pray. You can get a miracle in a minute. But it's important that you know. Good teaching here. He said, You've got to do this first, then go do that. Why? Because the jar of oil was not going to be a never ending ATM machine. He knew more than enough had been provided for them to pay their debts and then live on what's left. But now they would have the boy's entire life that they could work to be a blessing to others because their debts had been paid instead of working to pay for what had already been spent. it's so one of the things I look forward to the most about one day uh, selling the vacant land and being debt-free as a church is it'll free up like 27 grand a month instead of prior commitments, paying off a debt that was here uh, for I don't know how long, a couple decades. And instead it could be forward-thinking, ministry, missions. So there's something that happens when you're free from the bondage of the past. You don't go back to it. Like, think about how crazy it would be, you know, we get debt-free, and then it's like, hey, let's borrow some more money. Wasn't that fun? Let's start paying. No, no, come on. If God sets you free, think about it this way in a spiritual sense. When God brings freedom to your life, you don't go back to the things that were hurting you. You don't go back to the things that put you in bondage. You don't go back to the addiction. When he sets you free, then you live free. Free indeed, the Bible says. So, so we want to steward it well. It's kingdom business. Missionary Hudson Taylor said this, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supplies. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supplies. So we're going to pray, but I can't help but notice the correlation here between the financial miracle and the relational miracle. She had a loss of a relationship, her husband, when he passed away. Then all of a sudden, it revealed the financial need in her life, or it exaggerated it, and then it was going to cause another relational problem. Her boys were going to be sold into slavery. That's not a good day, not a good week of what was going on. But then, the financial provision, they were able to pay their debts, they weren't, she wasn't going to lose her boys, and so as finances came, then also relational tension was relieved. It's interesting as we look, even in today's society, how often fights in the home increase as money in the bank account decreases. Notice, payday, it's like we could go out to eat, we could go shopping, everybody's feeling good, but at the end of the month when you don't have any more money, it's just like little things can set people off because you're stressed about it. I I tell this to people all the time, I, I think everybody does their best work when they're not worried about finances. Because when you're worried about how are we going to eat, how are my kids going to get closed for school, how are we going to have those problems, they, of course you're going to have struggles, but, but so they're so often connected, and we're going to pray for both of them here this morning. Now, we'll pray for any other needs as well, but we're going to give opportunity uh, first for those that have a relational need or a financial need. I know some of the stories, we see a number of the prayer requests, and, and we're going to pray that God would do what only he can do. Now, most likely when it comes to relationships and finances, there are steps that we need to walk out. You know, if you get a relational miracle and there's restoration that's taken place, if the, if the fractured relationship was because you were a jerk, don't be a jerk again. Amen. Thank you, Dave. One person. Some of you are like, I'd rather be a jerk again this week and come back forward for prayer again next week. mm it's not what he said. Pay your debts and then go and live different. If you get a financial provision, opportunity for a new job, put that budget into practice. Begin to live differently. Don't, don't have the same need again next year. Now That's not to say we're not going to pray again next week or next year. I'm just saying put it into practice. Be a good steward of whatever it is that God gives to you. Because no gift from God should ever be wasted. What's the greatest gift of all? His son, Jesus. It's the most costly gift of all. His one and only son. The Bible says whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we squander the gift of God when we live foolishly. When we live less than what He's designed for us, less than what Jesus has already paid for. We devalue the gift of God when we live outside of or beneath the commands of God. We devalue His gift. So we need to live lives worthy of the price that he paid. In a moment, I'm gonna ask our pastors and prayer partners to come and we're gonna believe for those miracles. But before we do, would you bow your head and close your eyes here this morning? Now, I wanna pause and give opportunity for the greatest miracle of all. 12 or 13 in the first service said, I'm not right with God, but I wanna be. Before we pray for lesser miracles, temporary things for money, job, provision, relationships, with one another. I wanna pray for you if you need that relationship with God. You're here today, you're not right with God, but you wanna be. The Bible says that in just a moment, if you believe in Jesus, you trust him with your life, that the old way will be gone and the new way will come. Currently, the Bible says you'd be dead in your sin, but you could be made alive in Christ if you're not right with God, but you want to be, before we pray for these other miracles, I just want to pause, give you opportunity to say, pastor, if you're going to pray, would you pray for me? The Bible says that there's a way that seems right in man, but in the end, it leads to death. If you've been on that way that leads to death, might've even been a good plan, but if it wasn't God's plan, The Bible says it'll lead to death. If you want to cross over from death to life, before we pray for these other miracles, I want to pray for you. Right where you are, whether you're here in the building or watching online at home, we've got prayer partners that want to pray with you that we're going to believe with you for the greatest miracle of all. And that as you receive this gift of life, you're going to leave here and live different, change, transform from the inside out. Not so much about what you've done, but now who you are. You'll be made a child of the king. You're already his creation, but by giving your life to him, you become his child. You get adopted into the family of God. He made you, so no one knows more about you. The the things on the inside that you've thought about, prayed about, wanted, hoped for, wished for, dreamed. He put those things in your life and in your heart, but today you surrender your life to him you want to be made new if you're not right with God when I count to three you're going to lift your hand you're going to hold it up for a moment with boldness I'm going to recognize it and you can put it back down and we're going to pray together that we're going to pray individually but this is your moment the Bible says today is the day of salvation if you're here you say pastor that's me you've been talking to me I want to give my life to Jesus Christ I want to be made new from the inside out if that's you one, two, three come on lift your hand across this house or online, thank you sir, thank you sir, thank you sir, pause in this moment, sure, thank you ma'am, thank you sir, thank you sir, sir, hands all over, God's doing a work, changing people from the inside out, I'm gonna ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud, whether you raise your hand, you've been here a long time, even sitting at home, would you pray out loud, just repeat after me, I'll make it simple, it's not so much the words that you say, but the desire of your heart, but I wanna help give you words today, so say, dear Jesus, Here's my life. I give it to you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my place. Thank you for paying my price so that I can live forever. In Jesus name. Everybody said amen. Come on. Can we thank the Lord here this morning? In Jesus name. In Jesus name. All right, I'm going to ask our pastors and prayer partners if they would begin to make their way. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning? Let me give just a few moments of instruction. If you raise your hand, you prayed that prayer, you meant it, there's a card in in between the seats where you are. You can say, I accepted Jesus today. We'd love to have record of that so we can give you tools for your journey. But here's what we're going to do. We've got men and women full of faith that are coming forward, and we're going to pray for you today. Um, We've got at least 10 minutes before anybody needs to go anywhere, but we'll pray as long as it needs to. And we're going to pray for these Uh, any need that you have, but specifically a relationship need or financial need. And after we've given opportunity for people to come forward, if there's still moments and you have any other need in your life, we would receive that as well. But we're going to pray that God will do what only he can do. The team's going to lead us in song, and we're just going to create an atmosphere of faith. where we're praying, we're believing that God would do what only he can do. So I'm going to pray for what we're about to do, and then we're going to ask you to step out, and these people would love to pray with you here today. So, Father, we come to you asking for good gifts of grace from your throne to us. Your word tells us that we can boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence, for we'll find mercy and receive help in our time of need. So today we're asking most specifically for relationships and finances, but anything else that your people need, we ask that you would do it for your glory and for your fame. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, if you have a need in your life, step out. We'd love to pray with you as the team leads us in this song. Let's just create an atmosphere of faith. Lift our hearts to the Lord here today. Father, I thank you for each and every person in the building, watching online. I pray that we would overflow with the oil of the Holy Spirit. Soften our hearts once again. Fill those places that have been vacant, been dry, where things have leaked. I pray, oh God, fill each and every vessel, each and every one that's longing to be filled so that we can be used for your glory, we pray. I pray as we go and we leave this place that we would overflow into every place that we go, people's lives would be changed all around us and that you'd receive glory through everything that you're doing, not just in this place, but through this place. So use your people this week and we pray it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.
0: We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.